I'm Hemant Mehta. And I'm Jessica Blimke. And you're listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. You can now listen to all of our episodes and see show notes at FriendlyAtheistPodcast.com. By the way, we now have a merchandise shop on the website. So if you want your podcast swag, and you know you do, go to our website and click on the store tab. Dr. Wynne Legros spent three decades as a physician in the Army, where he was promoted to major, and then uh, in private practice. For most of his career, he practiced internal medicine. In 2010, after he retired, he decided to run for Congress from Virginia's 4th District, which was represented then and now by Republican Randy Forbes. Forbes is so conservative, he founded the Congressional Prayer Caucus. Legros, on the other hand, ran as an open atheist. He lost the race, but he writes about that experience in his new book, Last Leper in the Colony. So, uh, Dr. Legros, when, what should I call you? When would be fine. When, let uh, me just make one, one correction. Yes, please. I, I was in the Army for two years, and then I practiced in private practice for 29 years. Ah, got it. Okay, doing, I will. Doing internal medicine and nephrology, kidney disease. We will disease. fix that. Yep, blew it already. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. So what's where's this title of the book coming from, Last Leper in the Colony? Well, um, I got to thinking about who we elect to office. And for for decades and centuries, we elected white men. <laughs> and uh, then we now have an African-American president that, that's amazing in my lifetime. We now have a woman who may well get elected president. Uh, we have gay people elected. Um, Barney Frank was not openly gay the first time he was elected, but after he came out, he was elected many more times, and now other gay people are elected. Uh, we have Muslims in two of them, I think, in Congress. Yes. But I thought atheists were the last leper in the colony. Why can't mm. we get elected? Uh, <laughs> there's supposed to be freedom of religion in this country. So that's where, the, that's where it came from. Why do you think atheists can't get elected? Because right now there are zero in Congress. Because we're smug. <laughs> we are smug. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, it, it's sort of people are are, are afraid of atheists. Yeah. Um, I mentioned in the book back before I, my college career was a little uh, unusual, and I graduated in an off quarter in uh, December of '67, uh, and I didn't start medical school till September the following year. So I had nine months and. People didn't want to hire somebody for nine months, and I ended up working in Lazarus Department Store in downtown Columbus, Ohio, and they put me at the extra desk. So I would they would stick me wherever they needed me, and I had one job where um, I would go out with the carpet layers, and I kind of liked it. I was an assistant to the carpet layers, and they made – $10 an hour, which at that time was many times the minimum wage and considered a good income. I got to know this one guy pretty well, and, and we hit it off. And a couple of times we went uh, to his house for lunch, and I met his wife. And sometime later, uh, I casually mentioned I was a non-believer. And he was just indignant. And he said his wife never would have let me in the house had she known that. And it's so it's sort of this gut reaction many people have to atheists 
And I think part of it is is taught. Um, many churches vilify atheists, mm-hmm. and many atheists are afraid to be open because of that. So I think that's that's part of it. So you, you, you people have 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 a visceral reaction almost when they, when they learn you're an atheist. And and his reaction instead of thinking, well, maybe what I think of atheists is wrong because he seemed to like and respect me up until that point. Instead of rethinking that, he thought, well, if I'm an atheist, you know, there was something wrong with me. So I think that's part of the problem we have to overcome. So I'm I'm curious to hear what your experiences were like in the 60s and 70s, because I mean, not obviously, but today, like when I'm at work, I'm out, quote unquote, as an atheist, and most of my coworkers agree with me and are atheists or at least non-religious or like don't bad an eye at it yeah they don't care what was it like being in the 60s and 70s or even now because your generation still is more religious than say you know i'm 30 so my generation what's that like to be among your peers and they don't necessarily agree with you well i mean some people just sort of didn't understand it uh you know, most of my friends were believers, and when they got to know me, they just accepted me for what I was, and occasionally we would get into a conversation. Uh, I had one very good friend who was a very bright guy in medical school and uh, a strong believer, and when I tried to pin him down on things that didn't make sense to me, he got very uncomfortable, and so I thought, well, there wasn't any point in pushing this, and our friendship continued. But uh, he couldn't understand where I was coming from, and he really didn't want to hear me expound on it because I think it made him uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and <laughs> when I applied for medical school, um, <laughs> I had an interview, and all these doctors are sitting around and, and – uh, they knew somehow that my fa- my father was a minister. <laughs> and they said, well, why didn't you become a minister? Oh, this should be good. <laughs> and, you know, I'm trying to think fast and say, I, I just didn't want to, bl- I didn't think this was the appropriate place to blurt out, <laughs> well, I'm an atheist. <laughs> and I had read a book called The Comfortable Pew, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It was written by Pierre Burton, who was a uh, Canadian uh, Canadian journalist, and he was a television personality, and he was an atheist. And, and the Church of Canada had asked him to write a synopsis of the church as an outsider, knowing he was an atheist. And I think they got more than they bargained for, uh, because he sort of... Uh, said, you know, what you think you're preaching, you're not, you're, you're mainly interested in, in maintaining the status quo. And then he, he, he um, expanded that into a book. And my father mentioned this book a number of times uh, in sermons, and I asked him, you know, if he had it so I could look at it. And he lent it to me, and I, I read it in one day, and I'm generally not a fast reader. Um. <laughs> uh, so the ideas were out there, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, I think my father at that point may have picked up, although we never had a direct discussion about it, I think he may have picked up that uh, 
I was like Pierre Burton and, and uh, was questioning a lot. Interesting. So getting back to um, your sort of political career, what what made you – what triggered the decision to run for office? Yeah, I mean you just retired. Yeah. Who gets the idea, all right, I'm, I'm, I've been working for decades. <laughs> now. I'm going to retire. Now let me make things exciting. <laughs> like who does that? What prompts you to do that? Well – I mean that most people my age say they were inspired to go into politics by John F. Kennedy. Mm. I mean, President President Kennedy died when uh, I was 18 years old and a freshman in college. And you know, Bill Clinton's a year younger than than I am, so he was inspired by John F. Kennedy. I was inspired by George W. Bush. <laughs> That's no one has expected. Things no one has ever man. said. For and 100 I thought, Alex. If that guy's the president, I can damn well be a congressman. <laughs> oh my God, that took me so hard. Somewhere, someone, people are thinking if Ben Carson's a brilliant neurosurgeon, I can go to medical school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Um, but I, I listened to George Bush, and he just didn't have a clue about so many things. And I thought, and, and, and somebody once said if his father, George H.W. had had owned a hardware store in Toledo. That's what George W. would have done. <laughs> but his father was president, so he became president, and he was he was totally unqualified, and and proved it unfortunately once he was in office. So that's that's sort of what triggered it, and and I don't know exactly when the idea got into my head, and what a. And of course, Randy Ford, as you mentioned, has been our, cong- our our congressman here since 2001, and he's the founder and and uh, chairman of the Congressional Prayer Caucus. He's he's very sanctimonious, and I thought, well, wouldn't this be an interesting comparison here? The atheist running against the founder and chairman of the Congressional Prayer Caucus, and so I thought, if I run, I'm going to have to run openly as an atheist. Because I want to see what happens. I mean, I knew my chances of winning wouldn't be very good. And if I didn't draw some type of of contrast, uh, I knew I had no chance of winning. So I, th- I knew going in I was going to out myself publicly. And I just wanted to see what would happen. Do you Did you have any experience in politics? Because, again, that's a big leap to say – Hey, I you know what? I want to run for office. Let me go for Congress yeah. in the in like US House and I'll go up against this incumbent Sitting who has here. a lot of power. That's a big leap. So like what did you do to go from I'm sitting on my couch not liking George W. Bush to I want to make a run for this thing? And you so were, many of us have been. And you were the Democratic nominee that year. So like where's what happened in that time? Because most people cannot do that. Well, you know, excuse me, being an atheist, I figure I've only got one shot at life. And when I, when I made the announcement, I was interviewed by a newspaper and I said, well, I could have retired and played golf or I could have tried to make a difference. And after a while, I'm sure I would have been bored with my golf game. <laughs> so... You know who's getting I, golf? I thought, George W. You know, Bush. I thought, why not? And art. Um, and and I had the idea had been been sort of bouncing around in my head for a while before I told anyone, before I told my wife. Huh. 
and uh, Randy Forbes would put articles in the newspaper that he apparently, somebody I'm sure he'd written because they were about his personal experiences. <clears throat> but he would put things in there about uh, things that would just irritate me, and I thought I've got to run against this guy. You know, he <laughs> he would justify. Um, he, he didn't think the the population understood the separation of church and state. He wrote one thing was uh, freedom of religion means freedom for religion, not freedom from religion. Ooh. That irritated me. Yeah. And uh, he, he wrote one article about the Lincoln-Douglas debates. And he said that people running for office have an obligation to publicly debate their opposition. And I thought, I've got to save this article because if <laughs> I ever do run, I think the guy will be afraid to debate me. Yeah. And so I kept that article, and sure enough, he wouldn't debate me. And because that would give you some with level of legitimacy. All sorts of reasons for not debating me. I mean, the list went on and on, and they were ridiculous. And of course, the reason, and then. At one point, uh, one guy who worked for him and lives in, in town here was talking to a newspaper man here who I later talked to, and the newspaper editor said, well, why wouldn't Forbes debate? And the guy said, he didn't have to. Yeah. Right. No. right. He knew if he didn't debate, he couldn't say something stupid, and he would <laughs> win. And so he, he just avoided me. We had, we had three um, joint appearances scheduled. Uh, during the campaign. He didn't show up at any of them. And we had one scheduled debate, which was supposed to be on PBS, and it was supposed to be done at Old Dominion University and televised, and he wouldn't do that. And the one time we, one time we did sort of by accident end up in the same place, uh, they invited all the office holders up on stage, and, and I sort of followed up and some young man that looked like a football player and said, you're not an office holder. You're just running for office. Get off the stage. So, <laughs> <clears throat> they didn't even want to be seen with me. Yeah. How did, how did you even win the Democratic nomination, though? Because we've seen a lot of atheists run for office, and they can't even get past that stage. Did you have opposition in the Democratic primary? No. <laughs> so no, no one wanted to run against Randy Forbes. Well, yeah. It, and see, it was... It was 2010. It was an off-year election. So, yeah. and, and I had, you know, I, I always followed politics closely. I always voted, and I was interested in politics, but I never thought, you know, one, because I'm an atheist, and two, because I'm something of an introvert, and, and most politicians are extroverts or bipolar or whatever. Uh, so... I just got so annoyed. I, I, I felt I had to do it. Um, so, so I, I took the jump and, and, and I actually, I ran twice. I ran in 2008 and that was a presidential year. That's when, uh, Obama. president Obama was running the first time. And, uh, another woman, an African American woman was running and I, I was still practicing medicine at the time. So I, I really, had trouble getting out and meeting people. And then they had a convention that year and, uh, I got sort of soundly beaten in the convention. 
and then two years later in the off year, and and the, twice before that in the off year elections, no one had run against Forbes. So I thought, well, I'll try again, and nobody nobody else ran that year. So I paid my money to to enter, and I had to collect a thousand signatures, and I I paid people to help me and sort of show me the ropes. And then uh, there was a certain deadline, and when that deadline was reached, they, they scheduled a primary that year, but when they reached that deadline and I was the only one who had filed, then I was automatically the candidate, and I didn't come out as an atheist until after that. Smart. <laughs> so they already had me, whether they liked it or not, once I came out as an atheist. <laughs> Did you get bad reaction from the press or from other people just regarding your atheism? Pardon me? Did you get a bad reaction from the press or anybody else just regarding your atheism, not your policies or anything like that? Did people attack you for your lack lack of religious beliefs? Yes. <laughs> Was it bad? Was it ugly? In letters to the editor. And, well, the first time I ran, I was told that I, I needed to, to get the go-ahead and get the support of Lionel Spruill. Lionel Spruill is a Virginia House of Delegates member from Chesapeake, and Chesapeake is in, in our uh, district here. And so I had met him. He's African-American. And uh, before I came out publicly, somehow he got the word was I, that I was an atheist. And so we had discussed it, and he said, well, he normally took, took people around to, to the black churches uh, he said, but if you're an atheist, I can't do that. I said, well, okay, fine, whatever. But what he didn't say was that he was going to actively work against me mm-hmm. and spread the word as much as he could. And I have a recording of him on, on a radio interview show where he flat out said he was not supporting me specifically because I was an atheist. Eesh. And then there was there was another there was a, another African American lady who was a, a state senator in Virginia, and I was at an event where she was, and I thought they were going to ask me to speak, but they never for some reason got around to it. But when she was speaking, she said, and I got the distinct feeling she was referring to me. She said, "Sometimes the best thing you can do is hold your nose and vote for the Democrat." Oof. So, Oof, that's, so that's, that's sting. one endorsement I got. Yeah. <laughs> endorsement in big quote hands. Yes, yes, yes. Strong endorsement. Hold your nose and vote for the Democrat. Wow. And and Lionel Spruill, when he was on the radio, he said, I'm not going to hell behind no Democrat. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So one of the strategies that I've been seeing over the past couple of years is there are atheists who are running for office and they know it's a long shot. So they are coming out and saying they're atheists because that's the way you kind of make that less stigmatized. You just come out and do it. The ones who actually have a shot at it. And we're, we're talking about Pete Stark a few years ago who came out only well after he was in the U S Congress. We're talking about a candidate now, uh, Jamie Raskin, who's Mm -hmm. in the running. Uh, He hasn't won his primary yet uh, for Maryland. He doesn't really talk about religion in the same way anyone else does, but he does have the support of a lot of non-theists. But I think it's a strategic move on his part where, you know what, he has a legit chance of winning the seat. Let's try to push atheism to the back burner, if possible, and focus on the issues. And I wonder, like, if you thought you could have beaten Forbes, and I don't know if you ever 
had that inkling, like, I could beat this guy. But if you thought you had a legitimate chance, would you still have come out as an atheist, even if you think it may have cost you votes from a lot of influential people as a result of those people speaking out against you? Well, I'm, I was determined to come out uh, uh, no matter what. I, I mean, and when I went out and spoke to various groups, I didn't bring it up. But I wanted to get the word out, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm 70 years old. I'm not too computer literate. So I had younger people working for me, and some of them were <laughs> one guy who was my campaign manager until I let him go was very and he was a non-believer but he he thought it wasn't a good idea and he kept dragging his feet and i kept telling him i want to get the word out and finally i let him go and 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 the next guy in line uh put it on daily costs i wrote an essay explaining my views and put it on daily costs hmm. and so that's how i got the word out and, then, and that's uh, a pretty influential liberal site so it's yeah. going to get read by a lot of people well, you would think. You would hope. Um, <laughs> uh, there was a lot of stuff posted there. Not everything. I would have got the word out better, and this is a little facetious, but if I put it out as, as a rumor. <laughs> <laughs> you, you think if you put it in the newspaper or you put it – because at, after it came out on Daily Cost, um, one of the reporters for the uh, Virginian Pilot – the Virginian Pilot is out of Norfolk – and it's the largest newspaper headquartered in the state of Virginia. And so he wrote an article, and it was a front-page headline. The top of the front page, it said, In God, Only One Trusts. And it was referring <laughs> to the race between me and Forbes. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, the word is out now. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't. You know, people don't read the newspaper. People don't <laughs> talk about things. People are incredibly uninformed. I, oh, the day of the election, um, I, I was in Petersburg uh, at a polling place, and uh, one young woman came up to me and she said, she, she said she voted for me, and she said since she voted, somebody told her I was an atheist. She wanted to know if that was true. Oh, no. <laughs> and I said, well, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and it was too late. She'd already Did voted. Did she run back to her polling place? Like, no! <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I've been very impressed with how uninformed the electorate is. And it, <laughs> so front you know, page headline in the biggest newspaper. Live, but, you know, I, yeah. I've seen people quizzed about civics and things, and they know nothing. Right. Yeah. So but a front you page... ask them about uh, uh, reality TV shows, and they know everything. You should have had Kids your campaign days. slogan, like, pasted on Kim Kardashian, and that's how you do it. But a front-page headline, <laughs> you're saying, basically announcing your atheism, that didn't really affect much, maybe, at the end. Uh, no, well, and it's interesting. Uh, there were, there are 11 congressional districts in Virginia, and going into the election in 2010, six of the seats were held by Democrats and five by Republicans. And 2010 was a disaster for Democrats across the board. And that was mm -hmm. the Tea Party wave. Oof. Oh, yeah. It that was, was And of the six Democratic incumbents, three of the six lost. Mm. And of the five Republican incumbents, one of them had, didn't have a Democrat run against. The other four had Democratic challengers. And I got 37.5% of the vote. I got 74,000 votes. 
and that was a higher percentage than any of the other challenges. Yeah, that's wow. not too shabby. Yeah. So either it didn't make any difference or people didn't know the difference. Huh. You'll take and, it. And, it, you know, it, and a high percentage of, of uh, the Democrats in this district are African-American. And so whenever I would go to areas that were predominantly white, I knew I was in a Republican area. And it's unfortunate when you can tell people's voting habits by the color of their skin. But to some degree, that was true. I mean, I, you know, there were no more than, than a handful of African-Americans when I met them said, I'm a Republican. And I think most of those were pulling my leg just to see what my reaction was. <laughs> <laughs> because they sort of said it with a grin on their face. Um, so, and, you know, the, the African-American community is very strong religiously and very strong Democrats. And so it was it was interesting to try and get that across. And, of course, some, like Lionel School, said, well, you know, I'm not going to support you. That's mm-hmm. flat out. Sure. So we're in election year right now. Uh, What do you see going on in terms of religion in this year? There's been a lot of talk about Bernie Sanders, who's who's Jewish, but possibly secular Jew, question mark. What are you thinking about that? Well, he's downplaying it. But, uh, you know, I saw on one occasion they flat out asked him, do you believe in God? And he said, yes. And they said, well, what is what what is your view of God? And he said, uh, God is means we help each other. <laughs> so it's a pretty loose, <laughs> yeah. loose definition. To me, <laughs> to me, that's not a, a strong belief in the supernatural. I mean, I, I think he's atheist or agnostic or whatever, but, uh, he, you know, he, he thinks he has a chance of winning, and I hope he does. And so that's the way he's going to present it. Do you believe in God? Yes. Uh, but God is my, my God is not what your God is. Right. What? Uh, what advice would you give if you were running this year? Would you do any again? Would you do anything differently than you did in 2010? Well, the other, I mean, the other thing that was in the back of my mind. I mean, uh, you know, I didn't advertise. I, I practiced medicine here for 29 years, and I didn't advertise that I was an atheist. I didn't go to church, uh, and people I knew well knew I was an atheist, but most patients didn't know I was an atheist. Mm-hmm. So, and most patients don't ask. Right. And so there were enough people that knew, however, because sometimes I would be seeing a patient for years and then all of a sudden they wouldn't come again for no <laughs> obvious reason. And I thought, well, somebody got to them. Somebody told them I was an atheist, which they didn't know. And so they didn't come back. And so I thought if I ran and didn't make it public that I was an atheist and was doing well and had a chance of winning, uh, I was quite sure my opponent would bring it out at the last minute and I would go, I mean, that would be it. So I thought my only chance was to get it out first, Mm -hmm. answer whatever questions that came up and go from there. Because like I said, the first time I talked to about Lionel School, he knew about it. And I hadn't, that was before it had gone public. So the word had gotten out. And so I felt, like I said, if I don't make it public and if the race is close, 
the opponent, my opponent will bring it out near the end, and, and that would ruin any chance I had. What advice? There are some atheists running for at least statewide spots this year, um, and at least one, maybe, who is running for U.S. Congress. What advice would you give them about religion? Would you say if it's a close race and you can help it, then hide your atheism? Or would you say, you know what, I don't care if it costs you the race, you should come out and say you're an atheist because that's the only way we're going to change things? Well, I mean, my advice would be to talk about the issues, but not keep it a secret. I, uh, because for the same reason that I thought I had to come out, somebody probably knows that they're an atheist. And if somebody knows, it's going to get back to their opponent. And they'll bring it out at the end. I, I think you're much better off saying, okay, I am. That's not why I'm running. Uh, I'm running because of these certain issues. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, otherwise, you look like you're you're hiding something. Sure. Okay, so Wynn, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, your book is called Last Leper in the Colony, and I assume that's available where books are sold? Are they but sold? It's, it's we'll have a link to it. It's available on Amazon <laughs> and also available on Kindle. Awesome. We Perfect. will make sure there's links in the show notes. Thanks, Wynn. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. This episode was taped at Cinnamon Sound Studios in Aurora, Illinois, and the music was written and performed by Brad Chagdis. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a contribution at Patreon.com slash Hemant. That's He-Man T. We appreciate your support. I'm Hemant Mehta. And I'm Jessica Blumke. We hope you'll join us next time.